1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: And maybe most important is the agreement that we reached with the MLBPA on rule changes. Um, I love our game. Having said that, um, since I've been commissioner, I've talked about the need... Uh, to make changes in some of our rules to enhance the entertainment value of our product for the benefit of our fans. Uh, And I think the new agreement opens an opportunity that we can work with the players to make sure that we make good rule changes that works for our fans, works for our players. Hour number two coming at you here,
3: Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm Anthony Heron, here with you until 10 o'clock. Then we'll have our guy Chris Ranji. who will be here from 10 until midnight. Then midnight, working into tomorrow morning. Overnights tonight will be helmed, I guess tomorrow morning will be helmed, by our guy Studs, Adam Studzinski. So, we are live and local, as tends to be the case here on The Score and The Score. Because of all this news that has been breaking, this is the place to be. You heard Rob Manfred there, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, singing the praises of the ability to change some rules around Major League Baseball. And it's something that's been getting discussed a lot in recent seasons. And since folks have been looking for it, fans have been wanting it, that is definitely a positive thing because you do want to make the game more palatable and making things more palatable. A lot of that will be getting discussed tomorrow. I'll talk to you about overnights, and of course, everything's going to be going on with Mully and Ha, and then Dan Bernstein and Bernstein and Rahimi. You got Layla out there covering the A-10 basketball tournament for NBC Sports. So Dan will be on solo tomorrow. Then you got Lawrence Holmes. And when you get into the afternoon tomorrow, join the Parkinson's Spiegel Show broadcasting live from 2 to 6 at the Bet River Sportsbook in Des Plaines. Come hang with the guys and get in on a special profit boost. For any Bet Rivers online sports betters, Bet Rivers, Chicago's hometown sports book, so you can go out there in person and check that out with Danny Parkins. It was it was fun, taxi, here, uh, here, Danny, kind of doing his little Spiegel's impression as he came on in the afternoon too, because of course uh, Matt Spiegel, as we all know, very very passionate about his beloved baseball as a sport. And he wasn't able to be here in person today. It was good they got Speegs on, on the show, though, calling in from, uh, I was about to say parts unknown. But I guess he did say he was in, uh, what, the Dominican Republic or, or something like that, out on vacation with the fam. So, good that Speegs was able to at least participate, take part in the show as baseball news broke. And I think, actually, both Speegs and Layla have been out at, at a couple of different times lately. And news has been breaking while they've been on the road, but... It's good that they're still able to have their presence felt both on social media and uh, and with Speegs calling in for the show. So fun times being had there. Check out the, the text line here and the text zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai and Algonquin. Save time, shop online at com. And, uh, you know, folks who are kind of just catching up to the news right now, like the 312 out there saying the charges trading for Khalil Mack, what's going on, and the 773 prior to that, Also saying uh, that I get the reason I like the plan and talking specifically about the Khalil Mack trade. What extremely boils my blood, which is a nice way to say it, Pace messed up practically every choice and wasted the trade for Mack. That's from the 773. So, yes, because there's huge football news that broke today and the enormous baseball news from a national and a local perspective that broke there as well. And I'll say this, we're going to get get deeper into some baseball discussion in this segment here as well. You can give me a call or shoot me more text at 312-644-6767. That's 312-644-6767. But specific to the Mac news, before I I get back into some baseball, since the text line is is commenting on Mac at the moment, I'll say this. I think the the, the ramifications of what happened, you know, during the, the entire time that Ryan Pace was here, you know, no playoff victories in seven seasons and, you know, an overall losing record, just one winning season. He had a couple of not losing seasons where the Bears went eight and eight, a couple of the seasons that Matt Nagy was here, but only one winning season in the time he was here. The the cap difficulties like there, there was some cap space that, that was going to be available to the bears this off season, but certainly this Khalil Mack trade will enhance that only enhances it a little bit for this off season. But then certainly when you're looking at 2023, then the bears will be in a really strong salary cap position by then. So that in looking forward and moving forward is, is really good news for the bears, but that only helps you so much right now. But a lot of that is on the heels of what happened with Ryan pace. So like I mentioned earlier, I agree with the concept of the Khalil Mack move. I think like most trades, when we come out of this thing, you look at it and say, for a player that I do still think is, is going to be very effective, and that's hard to predict injury for sure, but we have seen Khalil Mack getting more and more banged up since he turned 30 and is now 31. And so it's been harder for him to stay on the field. That's something you certainly have to factor into this, and I do believe that factors into why you didn't get a bigger return for him. Then you also have the the big cap number that will be there. With his ginormous salary, that's there for the Chargers that they traded for, and the Chargers will be picking up the remainder of that, even though the Bears have a, you know, some dead cap money that's still going to be there, uh, taking up space for them here this season. But overall, I get the the concept of it. Yes, as as is the case with most of these situations, would be nice to see more come in return for that from an immediacy of the draft capital that was attained. I was reacting to some of the text that came in there 312-644-6767. I do want to get into a little bit of baseball here as well though. So you look at the the Chicago Cubs Twitter page, we had some of the they're retweeting some of the player reactions like Patrick Wisdom saying that the high fives are back and he Put a few photos out there for him after some of his big moments, both uh, in the batter's box and in the outfield. Uh, he's at Patrick Wisdom 5, but it's nice to, to see the players themselves very excited about it. And you know, not only Patrick Wisdom, but saw reaction from Justin Steele, from Marcus Stroman, Cubs retweeting uh, some of the guys out there who are looking forward to getting back to the game. When we had Bruce Levine on earlier, one of the things that I asked Bruce about was just the, the fact that you know when you had the – you know, basically the the main members, the executive board for the players, and them voting eight nothing against the MLB proposal, but then having the the teams themselves, you know, just kind of the the general player population uh, voting 26 to 4 in favor of it. I thought that was a, a very interesting thing because it doesn't normally go that way in these situations. Usually. You know, folks just tend to kind of side with the main leadership. You know, in this case, the, the MLBPA executive board. That's where, you know, kind of the rank and file players, they they tend to just follow suit behind their leadership. And I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. You know, not, not every vote is going to be unanimous. Like in the end, uh, when this thing got ratified a couple hours ago, MLB owners, they announced a, a 30 to nothing vote, a unanimous decision to ratify it. I guarantee you, not every owner was on board with the deal. Not every owner wanted the raise in the CBT and everything else that went on, and exactly how the international draft was structured. But in the end, they just presented that united front in public. So we we do get to hear more of the minutia of that uh, from the players' perspective on it. But you got you know Max Scherzer and Andrew Miller and Garrett Cole and James Paxton and some of the you know the guys who are who were on this uh, this executive board for the players. It certainly is easier for them to to say no to the owners, to, you know, to not be comfortable yet with to to say, let's continue to sit this thing out when they're seeing some of the, the money that the owners were throwing at the situation with some of the terms that were there. And that's just human nature in general. that That's just how situations like this always play out, where those who are in more of a comfortable financial position who have already attained their generational wealth, then they're in a stronger position to sort of push back in moments like this. And I think that's natural. I don't necessarily think there's going to be a lot of strife between the players that come out of it based off of that because in the end, like I was just talking about, you know, with the the players on social media and you know showing some of the excitement they have for for getting back to the game. In the end, now that you got a CBA, you know you at least got five years of peace that's going to come out of this and the players are going to get back to playing baseball and they are going to have you know, some enhanced financial structure that comes from it. What I don't get, Brian Callahan, who's on the ones and twos for me tonight, what I don't get is why baseball allows itself to be in a position where they deal with this every five years. Like in my sport, in football, in the NFL, you're normally getting at least a decade. When a CBA negotiation happens, usually going to gonna agree to terms for a good decade where you know, all right, we got labor peace. There's not going to be this kind of public strife unless just something, you know, something out of the ordinary, something out of the norm happens. There's labor peace between the players and the owners in the NFL for kind of a decade at a time. And so you don't have this, this public sort of mudslinging that has to take place and folks don't have to watch you haggling over these piles of cash over and over again. I don't really get why baseball looks to do this every five years, why they don't find a way to agree to longer term deals that have more escalators built into them that, you know, they can kind of come to a a combined consensus on to get to, to the point where there's longer labor peace, especially because baseball is in a situation where their market share isn't isn't as fit as it is in the NFL and in the NBA right now. So it seems to me like it would make more sense, Brian, if, if baseball just did this about every decade or so, like football does. I don't think it's a it's a great idea. I don't think it's great execution to to just show everybody that you don't get along every five years and to have folks, you know, wondering who's to blame or who's at fault. So in the end it's it's a great day for baseball to get it done. I just I, I don't quite get why they're willing to do this every five years. I, I don't know if you got a,
4: a better understanding of why I mean, they're willing to go through this so often. I don't think anybody wants to go through this again. I, I completely agree with you. Like hammer out a deal that's something beyond five years. It's absurd that we had nearly a hundred days where you have players that are locked out. And we don't know when there's going to be baseball. So, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Like, if you have an NFL model, like, you have to remember in 94 after the players strike, it took a while for baseball to recover. So nobody wants to be in this situation where you have a lockout, a work stoppage, because you're playing with fire.
3: And I'm wondering because there's a lot of folks out there who've been saying. I even heard some callers on the station earlier today, and I'd be curious to hear from any of you out here tonight because people have been, like Brian's referencing there, frustrated with with watching this negotiation play out publicly. And you know, who whose leaks are taking place where, and you know whether or not it is the owner's side that's just trying to you know negotiate through the court of public opinion and make it seem like the players are the one holding things up. You know, all, all those things I think can end up being true. But in the end, you, you get a deal reached, and, and how it times up here is you get a deal reached in time to play a full 162 games. So the, the sort of, you know, random deadlines that the owners are putting on things, the, the deadlines didn't bother me as much because they're always subject to being moved. And I think I was referencing this a, a couple of nights ago where it is at least. The benefit of placing some deadline, even the initial deadline that was there, you know, just to try and save the, the opening of pitchers and catchers reporting and getting to, you know, in theory, getting spring training started on time before the owners even, you know, supposedly called off the first two series of the season. Having that deadline there was, you know, after months, after 80 plus days of, of not truly negotiating and then kind of coming to the last second and getting a negotiation going, at least in that lens. You did have something to work towards, some sort of a threshold where both sides needed to come to the table by a certain point. So the, the arbitrary deadlines, those don't bother me as much, but the negotiating tactics, I, I can see where, where those – would get to the players, and I get where that got to the general public a little bit as well. Things like, you know, the the international draft, you know, being thrown in at the last second after, you know, leaking some things out there that, all right, we, we're close. maybe Maybe we got a deal struck. We're about to make this thing happen. Then the next thing you know, all right, well, actually, the international draft is a sticking point. After all, here's all this other money we're throwing at the players, but... Ah, those pesky players, those greedy players, now they just don't want to agree to this international draft. I don't know what the big deal is. And it, it had been there. It, it had reportedly been a part of the negotiation, but the owners just kind of made it seem like this was suddenly some last sticking point after they threw some additional money at the players. So I do think that there's a little bit of, you know, dirty pool that, that kind of plays out in public there. Uh, the deadlines don't bother me as much, but how you actually go about the, the good faith uh, quote unquote negotiating tactics or in this case some of the bad faith negotiating tactics that are there. I get why that gets to the players, why it perturbs them a little bit. But in the end, you can't necessarily let that distract you from from the lecture at hand. In this case, I thought the players in the end did a did an effective job, even though the executive board went one direction, the general player population went a different direction. That's all good. That's fine, because that's why you you have a union in place. That's why it's not just one individual. It's not just Tony Clark out there making all the decisions for the players. Just like Rob Manfred, even though he's the one who has to take to the mic, he's not out there making all the decisions on the ownership side or on the baseball side of things, on the management side. These are collective decisions, and feels like everyone's voices were able to be heard. So we got 162 on the way. We take a timeout and come back, and we, we did, uh, like our reference had, some of the, the principals who were involved in this, who were on the station after the news was announced. And one of the, the favorite sons now of the city of Chicago on the south side, Liam Hendricks, he joined Danny Parkinson. Let me take a time out. We're going to replay some of that Liam Hendricks sound that he was on with Danny earlier this afternoon, because as always, it was a fun interview with the White Sox closer. So I'll take a time out. We're here from Liam Hendricks. So we'll do that next on The Score.
0: This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's sports station. There's a lot of things that we we accomplished really well in this CBA, and it's raising minimums, it's getting uh, younger guys paid earlier, and they're worth paid while uh, winning awards and all this sort of stuff. I think there's some things that we didn't quite get to where we wanted to, but it's uh, it's part and parcel of the negotiations. I'm sure the other side thinks the same way, but. yeah i'm just happy to be it's done we're able to get back on the field we're able to get back out there and the fans are able to see it now and and we can get them in there hopefully i think game starting next week i believe so it's uh it's gonna be a little bit of a crunch time here in spring training but if the guys have been doing what they should have been doing and preparing already then uh, we shouldn't have any issues
3: you know that voice how many australians with a thick Australian accent and talking about spring training. That is the voice of Liam Hendricks, White Sox closer. He was on with Danny Parkins earlier today. I am Anthony Heron, here with you until 10 o'clock tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. When I'm done at 10, I'll be tossing it to Chris Ranji. He'll be with you for a couple of hours until midnight, and then Score Overnights will take hold. And Adam Studzinski will be with you from midnight until 5 a.m., Wall-to-wall coverage here, live and local on The Score. And uh, Liam Hendricks being willing to to join at a moment's notice there after the deal was agreed to. And then, of course, uh, not too long later, got ratified by ownership. So positive news, good times all around along those lines. But as uh, as Parkins was talking to to Liam Hendricks, a lot of different things that they covered within the, the current structure of the deal. But before they got into some of that minutia, they just talked about the, the White Sox as a whole and how they're feeling with the season now approaching and the level of confidence that Liam Hendricks feels they should have
0: obviously everyone's been reading about not only the the lockout that's been going on but also the deals that MLB has got the funding that's coming through with the different streaming deals and the TV deals and the playoff deals and everything like that that hopefully that gets directed straight into play uh to payroll I think that's a, a an like right now we're in a winning stage we're not it's we're not trying to save money we're not trying to do this we're actually trying to win for these next few years and let's go out and spend the money that we've just been gifted let's go out and use that on payroll let's go out and get the guys that we need to make sure that we are a contender straight from the get-go on paper but then we have to prove it on the field and that's what we're going to go out and do to
3: prove it on the field is a you know it's an interesting sort of dichotomy i guess because one of the concerns that that baseball players have had when you look at the postseason is like right now they, they agreed to terms on expanding the, the playoff field to 12. So you have six teams in, in each conference who will be eligible for postseason play. But part of the concern that players have had is the more you expand the playoff field, then maybe you end up getting less teams who are truly motivated to try and make the post the postseason because before baseball, and I, I did think there were too few teams in the past out of Major League Baseball that ended up making the playoffs. Man, out of 30 teams, there was such a small percentage that actually participated in the postseason and in every sport, not just in baseball, but I do think even more so in baseball because of the, the wide volume, the 162-game regular season in baseball and then the postseason was a a much shorter period of time with far less teams participating in it. So it's basically like the best version of your product wasn't highlighted in the way that other spokes take advantage of it, like in the NFL, like in in the NBA, where the the playoffs feel really long, certainly in the NBA. And in the NFL, there are just more teams who can continue to go after it, throughout the course of a season. Obviously in the NFL, there's going to be you know teams who are bottom feeders in the league, just like every sport has their share of bottom feeders. But baseball is just like the elite of the elite. Only the truly very best teams would make the playoffs. And it just it didn't feel like it really represented the sport as a whole and gave them the opportunity to, to maximize the true fan interest that was there. I mean, historically, baseball just you know, always found itself in a position where, where they tried to sort of stick with and keep with how things had gone in years past. And now we're finally seeing a situation develop where the, the old stodgy sport of baseball is now willing to evolve, to develop, to modernize in certain ways. And I do think that now the, the willingness to spend in free agency should still be there. You know, 12 versus 14, maybe 14 comes five years from now at the end of this CBA. But starting with 12, expanding to 12, as opposed to beyond that, it'll give the players, frankly, it'll give the owners and the fans an opportunity to evaluate what a 12-team playoff format looks like, feels like for a little while, and then decide whether or not. And I think one of the things the players will definitely be looking to see will be if this expanded playoff, does it lead to more teams feeling like they're in it and being willing to spend? And you're not going to be in a scenario where where you're going to get that, that 163rd game, that wild card game, that that one-off, you know, sort of tiebreaker game that's there. Now it's going to be no 163. Now everyone's going to be in, in the format where they're immediately you're going to get the buy for the top couple of teams there, and then the bottom four teams in each conference are going to be in a position where they're going to have the, this you know short series. It's going to be a few days off for the teams that get that buy. I think overall it, it's a nice format, and a nice structure for how they're going to go about expanding the playoff. And in the end, I don't think there should be much concern for the rush because it will be this very condensed series. It only takes a few days to get it in. But players are going to evaluate whether or not more teams are willing to spend because of this or does it lead to teams, less teams spending. I I do think my anticipation, because owners have never really seemingly been able to get out of their way when they think there's a chance at, at actually doing something, when they think there's a chance at landing a big free agent when they think there's maybe a chance at winning a championship, more often than not they tend to go for it. And So I do think my anticipation is that it will lead to more spending, but I understand the players not wanting to go all the way to 14 yet. Give it a little bit of time, start off expanding to 12, and maybe that's the one benefit of of doing a new CBA every five years as opposed to every 10 years because then if you do choose to expand, if the owners are handling things in the way the players are hoping for that they prefer – then perhaps they're willing to go to 14. Uh, I think they're going to have to make the owners earn it a little bit and, and give up a little bit more of the cookie before they go down that road and expand any further, though. But Liam Hendricks hoping that the White Sox will spend in the free agency makes a lot of sense. One thing that that Hendricks talked about with uh, with Parkins earlier, though, was also just the effect that certain things have on fans because there's a lot of, of new revenue. There's a lot of additional money that's now continuing to be funneled in to a variety of different sports, and, and baseball is, is no different in, in that regard. But there's an Apple deal that's been struck by Major League Baseball, and it's going to allow the opportunity for folks to stream the game in, in an enhanced way and on a new platform than what was available before. But there's a concern that Liam Hendricks has about that that he voiced to Danny.
0: Don't get me wrong. I love Apple. I, I have an iPhone. Uh, we have Apple TV. We have all of that. I don't like that deal because it means it's a different streaming service that fans have to pay for to be able to watch the games, and I don't think that's right. I think there should be a unilateral one that goes over everything, that if you buy this package, you get every single game of every single team, no matter blackout, and no matter what, and no matter everything. That should be how it's done, and I don't, I, don't, I don't like anything other than that. I don't like anything that deviates from that. It's unfortunate that that's what uh, the world's coming to with different pieces here and there, but um yeah it's 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 frustrating because at the end of the day you understand that the the cash flow may not be there year in year out but everything else goes on that's not including auxiliary revenues that guys are making away from the field that's based around the team that the team brings in but isn't technically part of the organization so it's a uh, there's some frustrating things and that's why i think so frustrating about the whole cba talks was you see how much comes through and all these little things but it's not technically part of the pie and it's it's a whole there's a whole slew of things and Yeah, they're businessmen. They're billionaires for a reason. They've done their – most of them, I should say, have made a lot of money themselves rather than being inherited. But a lot of them have gone out there and they've made their living. They've done this. They're businessmen first and foremost, and that's the way they've run this league. And hopefully now we can get back to being on the field and they can help run those businesses and promote the players that are making this game great.
3: See, I like hearing that. I like hearing Liam Hendricks at least advocating for the fans in that regard. It's one of those things that I don't know that every player is – would be keenly aware of that. And even if they are, whether or not they would care enough about it just to sort of off the rip, off the top of their head, answer a question from a sports talk radio host specifically about that. But, you know, Danny asked him just about, you know, the, the additional revenue in general. And, and Liam just took it down that road of where the, his concerns for the fans with the Apple deal. And I think you know, I found that part kind of admirable just because I'm, I'm a guy who I, I certainly haven't, we haven't cut the cord. In my house we're still a cable household but i know a lot of other folks out there are doing that we do have a couple of different streaming services that we use though and like i I don't know how you tend to handle things brian if you're somebody who streams you know a variety of different platforms specific to sports that you're trying to get or if you stream different platforms for you know your marvel movies or anything else but everybody you know whether you're talking you know apple or or paramount or disney plus or netflix or amazon you name it like everybody's trying to get into the sports space now because that's these live events are where people can can move money move merch and produce revenue in a way that just most other other entities don't allow you to do but live live events and live sports are where you can still really drive immediacy of viewership and so baseball having this apple deal in theory Sounds great, but it is just another revenue stream because it's another avenue that folks will have to spend on. In in your house, how do you guys tend to handle this thing? Have you have you cut the cord yet?
4: So yeah, unlike you, I am a cord cutter. Do not have a cable subscription. Go with just internet, and then you know we've got the Disney Plus, you got the Netflix, the Hulu. The nice thing is you get. I think you can you can uh, group. Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus all together. So I get some ESPN content there. The one nice thing that I have is as a uh, a T-Mobile customer, every year they offer you MLB TV for free as part Ah, of your plan. So that is where I get a lot of my baseball. Now, unfortunately, they don't allow you to take the in-market games, the games that you want. (laughs) If you're a Cubs fan, if you're a Sox fan, you can't really watch that. So, uh, yeah, you pretty much have to have a VPN or something to get around that.
3: Yeah, that, that's one of those things, that baseball, it feels a little bit dated while at the same time, because baseball is is still more of a regional sport than by comparison to the the NFL and the NBA, where you know their national broadcast, especially the NFL, of course, because it's just a lower volume and it's the most popular sport by a wide margin. The NFL can just kind of be all national all the time, and even if you do the NFL Sunday ticket deal, then you know, you're know you going to be willing to pay for that just so you can watch your football and bet on your football and have your fantasy football and everything the folks do in consuming that sport. Baseball still has, a, there's a lot more importance on the, the regionality, the, the sort of parochial nature of baseball has more importance to it than it does in some of the other sports, and that revenue from some of these RSNs, these Regional Sports Network deals, those carry the day, just like the gate, you know, being able to sell tickets, those carry the date and carry more weight in baseball than they do in football and basketball, just because there's all these different sources that the baseball teams will on their revenue from. And the national end of things is still huge. I mean, that's still where the main dollars come from, but there's more importance on the, the RSNs, on those regional sports network deals, the local broadcast deals in baseball than there is in other sports because there is so much inventory, and there are certain teams, especially the big market teams. obviously got one of those right here in Chicago with Marquee on television, and you hear the Cubs games here on the score. Those deals matter a little more in baseball than they do in some of the other sports just because of the sheer volume of inventory that you get with all those different baseball games. And the, the, the term trust has been out there and been thrown around a lot between the the players and the and the owners and that's one of those things that that Liam Hendricks addressed with Danny Parkins as well And I was talking about a little bit earlier related to spending and I think that's that was a huge key as the players were sort of holding firm on 12 games as the owners wanted 14 that was one of the things they addressed is the trust between the union and the owners
1: what can be done to improve the trust a little bit between your union and the
0: owners you can promote the stars of the game, like how many? Like you go to into a uh, a baseball arena or a baseball stadium and say, "Hey, show a photo of a basketball player on that city's team." There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be able to recognize who that is. You do the same thing the other way around; very few will have any idea who that person, who that baseball player is. That's the same with every single sport. We need to do a better job of promoting the individual players in the game. I think Tim Anderson is one of the ones that has really kind of taken the reins and done it himself a lot in Chicago, and I think that's something that needs to happen from an organizational standpoint of making sure that it's not just the the direct target audiences of baseball fans. Get it to different events. Get players at different events for different things and get everyone involved and let's let's grow this game from an individual point, but uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you take Mike Trout's photo anywhere around the world, nobody's really going to understand who he is, and that's unfortunate because he is the greatest player that is currently playing, and and He's up there with the greatest players who have ever lived, and that's something that is shameful, the fact that people around the sport that aren't baseball fans don't know who he is.
3: Liam Hendricks was so good, and he's always really good when he's when he's on the air addressing things, And not only just because the Australian accent is pretty cool. i like I give a slight edge to the British accent between the two, but the Aussie accent is just always fun. It just, you know, even if you're in a bad mood and you hear the Australian accent, it kind of still sounds a little bit perky and and plucky and and joyful, even if it's kind of aggressive at the same time. If you catch a a guy with an Australian accent and he's feeling kind of surly, the accent itself still takes some of the edge off of that. I, I give a little bit of an edge to the British accent between the two, but you know you, you, you got to love hearing from Liam Hendricks, not only because of the accent, but because he usually has something real and raw and informed to say. And he was really good with Danny covering a number of different topics. And then that was a, a really interesting opinion he had on how the owners can continue to enhance the trust between themselves and the MLB PA a couple of more cuts I want to play for you. Take a time out and come back and let you hear a couple of other things that Liam Hendricks and Danny were talking about. One of those about the the point I was making earlier about the fact that the executive board for the MLBPA that they initially, they're the ones who actually voted this down, and it was. More the, the full general population of players that were the reason this deal ended up getting approved. And that's not normally how a situation like this, works. Danny asked Liam Hendricks about that. We'll take a time out, let you hear a little bit more from the White Sox Closers. He was on with Parkins and Spiegel on the Parkins and Spiegel show. He was on there with Danny Parkins. We'll do that next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
2: This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. One of the good things about collective bargaining is that it gives our players an opportunity uh, to have input on what their workplace and the game is going to look like going forward. And they took full opportunity um, to provide that input during these negotiations. Um, Our players are great, great athletes. Um, I respect them, and I respect the input that we received from them during this process, and we really did learn a lot.
3: Certainly a respectful tone there for Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred coming off the end of the negotiations with the MLBPA. i got to say the, uh, the text line likes what they've been hearing so far. If they didn't get to hear it earlier, you can obviously download the Odyssey app and, and hear the full-length version of the interview with Danny Parkins and Liam Hendricks. But we've been bringing some of that sound to you because Liam, as always, was so good when he was on with Danny earlier, but the 920, San 0 saying Hendricks is a very smart and aware dude. There's no doubt about that. Couldn't agree more. And one of the things that, especially the last couple of times that I've been on, and I've had Bruce Levine on with him, have been talking about the comparison between now versus what happened back in the mid-90s. The 94 strike was not a lockout then. The players ended up going on strike to try and get better terms uh, from their vantage point. And that's where things are obviously different this time around, where the owners decided to lock the players out. Again, as a reminder, they did not have to lock the players out this time around, but they chose that as a course of action to stop the players from going on strike during the season, as they did in 94. And a deal has been struck before the season. Now we're going to get a full 162, and in theory, five years of labor peace moving forward. But the 815 saying the MLB got lucky after the 94 strike that Sosa and McGuire had the home run battle. Now, of course, when you go into just some of the minutiae of how that played out. Yeah, they got lucky, and that, you know, between Kyle Ripken and, and Sosa McGuire a couple of years later, all those things ended up helping to sort of boost the overall notoriety of baseball coming out of that that strike and all the lost games and missed games that were there. But also, it was a very different time today than it was back then. In just a few minutes, going to be able to have a, a conversation with Ben Strauss uh, from the Washington Post as well about – Not only how now differs from them, but how the coverage of this baseball labor strife, how it differs now versus what it was a quarter century ago. So looking forward to that conversation I'm going to have with Ben in just a few minutes. But let's get a a little bit more Liam Hendricks sound in before we we get to that point. And one of the things that, uh, that Danny Parkins talked to Liam Hendricks about earlier was on the one of the the aspects of this that played out late because when you have hundreds and hundreds of of representatives, hundreds who are all throughout major league baseball and you have to try and figure out a way to get a consensus, to build a consensus within that as Tony Clark has to be able to get all his constituents on the same page. And so you had this eight player executive board who were sort of the voices that were there directly in the room with ownership. And then beyond that, Each team has their own, you know, their own labor chief within each room. Their their union rep who gets to communicate directly with the executive board, and you know, different than what normally happens here. The executive board voted down the latest proposal from owners. Unanimously voted it down, eight to nothing against it. But then the individual teams ended up voting 26 to four in favor of it. Danny asked Liam Hendricks specifically about the executive board voting down the
0: deal. I just don't think the executive subcommittee liked a couple of the little terms in the bottom and they're the ones that are going to understand it the most. Um, We have eight players that are on the executive subcommittee uh, and then we have 30 team leaders and then we have probably 60 alternate leaders under that. And then we've got each team. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. Not everyone's going to always agree, especially when you've got 1400 different people. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like there's always certain people that are going to go back and forth and have different ideas of the way we should attack things, different ways of the way we should have approached things. Uh, and that's just the way it's always going to be. I guarantee you that it wasn't a unanimous decision to send this proposal over from the owner's side as well.
3: And that that's the thing, you know, because I think, you know, ideas can be presented as unanimous. Votes can be presented as unanimous afterwards in their full support. The owner's, Supposedly voted unanimously, thirty to zero, to uh, to go ahead and ratify this deal. But I am certain that not all the owners felt the same about it, because that's part of where you know the the sticky wickets tend to come in 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 situations like this, because the what are viewed as the the big city owners, the major market owners, the ones with the deepest pockets who produce the most revenue, the most non-baseball revenue, frankly, then those are the ones who feel a certain way about things, but then the ones who are viewed as the small market owners will feel differently about this pretty frequently. But in the end, you know, the players did get, uh, they did agree to expand the postseason to 12 teams. They are going to get the full 162, which means the players are going to be paid for a full 162 games. And so I, I do think, you know, the players were deft enough to recognize that some of these threats from ownership were somewhat hollow or, or empty, you know, where right, we're canceling the first two series. Now we're going to cancel another two series. And, you know, we're, we're not going to start until April 14th at the earliest. But in the end, they are going to have a few extra double headers. There are going to be nine innings and uh, and regular extra innings rules are going to come back into play. Uh, the designated hitter rule is going to be now universal and we knew that was coming. Uh, they also are going to limit the number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues in a single season. But in the end, opening day back to being scheduled for April 7th, as was originally planned. So players got a lot. Owners, I'm sure, will be happy in the end, and they will be laughing all the way to the bank, as tends to be the case with the billionaires. But you're going to get a full 162 out of baseball. But the coverage of this strife between the players and the owners It's felt different. I've been talking about this topic really the entirety of this lockout. Just There's been more pro-player, more pro-labor coverage of this and reaction from the fans about this than we've ever seen at any time in our history. And there was actually a writer from the Washington Post who wrote specifically about that topic. So I had to get him on the show. We're going to do that next. Discuss just how this was all covered right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score.